Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome. You are watching Destination Draft Day, joined by Nick Durst and Brian Sousa. How are you guys doing today? Michael, I'm doing well. Destination Draft Day. We got Brian here for a lot of the show. Really excited about that. Brian, of course, from Bonus Seekers. And there's a lot to talk about. Um, but, you know, I got I got to give myself a nice little pat on the back here because on, uh, on our last show on Friday... Brian was he gave us he gave us his his thoughts on LSU versus Mississippi State. And I said I would not be surprised if Mississippi State wins this game with the Mike Leach offense and LSU with the new players. And they won the game, but Brian you had the over there, so definitely helped you out. Well, look, man, it sounds like the both of us were right. Then uh, I don't know if the uh, Bo Pelini defense really had any answers for uh Leach's offense there yeah I gotta say I was definitely way off I did not expect Mississippi State to do as well we saw it a lot of times at Washington State where they would go against like a Washington or something and really just get shut down once it came to good defensives and good defensive coordinators and schemes that really work against the air raid and there was nothing slowing down Mississippi State last Saturday yeah no no doubt about it uh Mississippi State offense is going to be a force to reckon with. They're never going to play that good a defense, though, Michael. But exciting, exciting there with the offense. And the other game, Michael, was Oklahoma getting upset. So the path for Texas to be in the college football playoff has become a lot clearer. But we've seen Oklahoma basically lose every year in the early in the season and then end up winning the Big 12. Yeah, and – it was a great win for Kansas State bouncing back after a loss to Arkansas State. The Big 12 as a whole, I think, is being surrounded with question marks now. Texas not going to make it easy for themselves if they're going with 60-point shootouts with every other school that they go against like they just did last week against Texas Tech. Both of these teams, though, you know, there's still somewhat of a path. We don't really know how this college football season will shake out. Uh, I think Spencer Rattler looked young. There's a lot of inexperience there and there's still a lot of room to grow. I do believe that Oklahoma is probably still the best team in the Big 12, but at the moment, they are definitely far behind now trying to catch up to Texas, Oklahoma State, and some of the other schools right now that are currently undefeated. Yeah, and uh, ML Brawls 1 does not think you're wearing the best shirt in your closet right now. He says, bring back the old shirt, Mikey. We'll change it up every week, don't you worry. <laughs> Michael, any other games this weekend that really uh, caught your eye on the college level? From the college level, I think one of the big games was just watching how Georgia was able to overcome 
going to their now fourth string QB from when the season really kind of got started in terms of depth chart and Stetson Campbell stepped in and they still completely handled this South Carolina team. And I think when you're watching games like this, where there's so much inexperience at the quarterback position, you just got to take into account just how talented the roster is. And Georgia definitely has the roster talent that is there. If it's JT Daniels, if it's Stetson Campbell or whoever is in at the QB position, it is just, you know, this defense is going to be big for their success. Their weapons at the wide receiver position and running game. Hopefully Kirby Smart can handle whoever's taking snaps, but Georgia definitely has a good squad on their hands. Yeah, I think, of course, everybody's got to keep an eye on Georgia and make sure that, you know, they're, they're probably going to, of course, it's always going to come down to them and Alabama and the, the championship game most of the time. And uh, so Georgia's always in a good position to get to the title game. Brian. Or, sorry, they played Arkansas, and it's, it's Stetson Bennett. My apologies. Mistake there on my end. <laughs> no worries. Brian, uh, you, you gave some great insight on the uh, WVU-Oak State game. I know, uh, you know me and Michael are very high on Oklahoma State this year. What are your thoughts just on, on Gundy in general as a coach? Well, he should just keep giving the ball to Chuba Hubbard, I think, and maybe um... – you know, nobody can really complain with that game plan. No, but in all seriousness, I was impressed with their defense. You know, their defense helped them put up points. They put up 20 points in the second quarter, and that really set them, you know, apart. Even when the offense wasn't really clicking uh, for, you know, the rest of the game, they were – it was really their defense that, you know, kept them ahead, and then they were able to get one at the very end to sort of put a seal on it. But I'm pretty impressed with Mike Gundy's team. Yeah, and Brian, has anything changed when you're looking at uh... – you know, heading into the weekend with bets and anything. And obviously we've had you on to start the season and you're like, it's really hard to feel things out right now. Is there anywhere you're, you're leaning or you're still taking precautions on these, these college football games? Yeah, well, it gets, it's pretty tough because until this weekend, you didn't see a lot of big schools play. And in the early going, you didn't see any conference games. So we're, it's still a little bit of the same. I mean, you can draw uh, conclusions from some of those results, right? About that it'll be very difficult for a one loss LSU team to overtake a undefeated team in the SEC. Oklahoma losing again, as you mentioned, Nick, early in the season, where if you would have asked me, aside from the big three, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, which team has the best chance of, you know, getting that fourth spot or getting in there, I absolutely would have told you Oklahoma because you look at their schedule and all their games were winnable. Now that they lost one, you know, I think it opens up a spot for a second SEC team to really take that fourth spot. Yeah, and uh, Michael, we both, uh, you know, we had similar predictions for our college football playoff. Brian, you have any any predictions right now? Hopefully, winner, hopefully, you have Notre Dame in there. I'm trying to find a four. If Notre Dame goes undefeated, I think they're in. But I'm going to say, I think a ahead. one win, a one loss Notre Dame team that only loses to Clemson has a great chance to get in stuff. Well, what if the winner of the Florida Georgia game doesn't lose any other ones? Well, then they're in. I mean, <laughs> the undefeated SEC team is whoever wins the SEC is getting in, right, Michael? I mean, there's no doubt about that. Oh, 100%. Uh, whoever wins the Big Ten is probably going to get in. The question uh, will be whether a one loss, a one, can a one loss SEC team, they'll probably still get in over a one loss Notre Dame team yeah. or a one loss Big 12 team or anything like that. Well, uh, as a, if you're talking about the conference champions, then of course. But 
you know, if, if you're looking at that fourth team and it's between a one loss Georgia or like a one loss Notre Dame, usually in that scenario, Notre Dame gets the upper hand. They get in. Um, but I don't, I don't think they're going to, I don't think I don't think the Pac-12 is going to have any impact on the college football playoff. I think Ohio State they'll they'll get them in somehow, and then it's going to be interesting now. Um, I mean, obviously, if somebody goes undefeated, Michael in the Big Twelve, they're in. But if nobody's undefeated in the Big Twelve, they have to probably want wonder if they're going to get anybody into the playoff. For sure, and I think with the Pac-12 and Big Twelve, they're probably being questioned most. Whenever it comes to the playoff selection, that kind of happens every year. You look at, you know, whenever there was TCU and Baylor prior to the conference championship game, both these teams had a great case for the playoffs. Even now with the championship game happening, if these teams aren't, you know, an Oklahoma type squad and you have a team like Texas that kind of finds themselves in a lot of games where there's questions about, how good they really were, but they were able to take care of the Big 12. I think there's still questions. Undefeated, Big 12 champions should get in, but one loss, I think they could find themselves looking from the outside in. Yeah, no doubt about it. And for a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, to free agency, from pregame to postgame, film analysis to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. And BonusSeekers.com is your source for all things gambling. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash ChrisLandryFootball. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call, wherever you get your podcast. Michael, I'm, I'm trying to watch the NFL games on Sunday, and I just get nonstop tweets saying, "Who is who is Michael going to have on his rookie his rookie team this week?" And I said, "You know what? I, I think Joe Burrow's got a good chance to make it on, as the QB because Herbert didn't have that have a great game." But as for the rest of the list, I think it's a, it was a total toss up. So I really didn't have the answers. I said, "Tune in to Destination Draft Day every Monday for Easter. He's going to give you the answers right there." Well, sadly, I left both QBs off the list this week for my Rookies of the Week. We got to first go with James Robinson, who put on a show on Thursday night facing off against the Miami Dolphins. He put up about 130 yards with two touchdowns. Robinson was a key piece to this Jacksonville team, and he was really producing while the rest of the offense struggled. There's a lot of things to be said about how impressive it is for a rookie running back to do this, but the fact that this guy was not an early pick at the running back position. He was undrafted free agent coming from the FCS and is already doing this so early in the process of development with no offseason or anything. It just goes to show how talented this guy is. I certainly was wrong about him as an evaluator. I thought that he kind of deserved to go undrafted, and he's already proven me wrong. I'm willing to accept that. Great week for James Robinson, and most likely he will be holding down the fort at the running back position for Jacksonville. Moving on to our next guy, what a week for Justin Jefferson for the Minnesota Vikings. Seven catches, 175 yards, and one touchdown. He was burning up the Titans secondary all week. A key piece for the Vikings offense moving forward. You already have Dalvin Cook. You already have Adam Thielen. You already have tight ends and Irv Smith and Kyle Rudolph. But the question was, who would be stepping up as that next receiver? A lot of people wanted it to be Jefferson, but obviously 
as a young receiver. It was just a matter of when. And we finally got to see that out of Jefferson with a huge outing against Tennessee. They still didn't win the game, but it was a big game for them. Our next guy is Brandon Ayuk for the San Francisco 49ers. 31 rushing yards, 70 yards through the air, five catches, and a touchdown, putting together a great performance and a very physical performance for them to pull the victory over New York Giants. Sorry about that, Nick. I'm sure it's not fun to watch. Seeing watch. <laughs> Obviously, the 49ers really like that turf at MetLife Stadium, Brian, because they had great success two weeks in a row at MetLife Stadium. Spot the lie. And moving on to the next rookie of the week, Michael Onwenu for the New England Patriots stepped in at left guard while Joe Tooney went to center. He did a wonderful job, really set up for the run game. You watch Sony Michelle in this game and he finally looks like we saw in his rookie season. He had a great game of over a hundred yards on the ground. The team as a full had as a whole went for 250 yards. So this offensive line was really moving. You saw on who's around 370 pounds getting to the second level, creating big gaps for the running game. And it was just absolutely huge. Everyone saw Rex Burkhead's day. Brian, I hope you had him in some daily fantasy league or something because he was an absolute monster and put up some great points. What if I told you I played against him and lost because of it? Then my <laughs> serious apologies to you. Unfortunately, that is what happened. But great day for Rex. And for my last rookie of the week, we got Jeffrey Okuda. He still had some hiccups. This wasn't a perfect game for him. But I feel like after going against the Bills where he struggled so much against Stephon Diggs, or no, sorry, going against the Packers where he struggled as much as he did against Devontae Adams, it is big for Okuda to bounce back. And going against Hopkins and some of the other Cardinals receivers, he had a great day. He got an interception. He had seven tackles, one of them being a huge blow up on a screen. He played physically, and he had some very nice moments. Okuda had some question marks after that first outing. People were ready to write him off and say, oh, this is a bust. They should have gone C.J. Henderson, typical Lions, picking the wrong guy. But Okuda is going to be a star in this league, and he had a great step forward after this strong performance against the Cardinals. Yeah, the one guy uh, that I want to turn around as a rookie is, is Brian's guy, Becton, who was off to a good start, and now he's injured, unfortunately. Uh, I really just wanted to bring up the Jets to talk about the Jets with Brian. So, uh, <laughs> Brian, you know, a few weeks ago, we had uh, our buddy Joe left a comment on the show saying, Jets, worst team in the league, your number one pick. You and Michael said, no way. You love Sam Donald. Just want to see where your, your head is at today with the, with the Jets now 0-3 and being outscored by like 70 points <laughs> in, the, in the first three weeks total. <laughs> Oh, you know, as I, Michael's as, still wearing green. He's still I, supporting the Jets. So. Listen, as much as I hate to admit that our friend Joe might have been right, the Jets very well could be the worst team in the league. You know, I'm, I, I still think at the end, what would be even more Jets than getting the first pick in the draft would be yeah, going on a winning streak at the end of the season and winning four games just oh, to very, get very the fourth possible. pick. Very, very possible. Uh, I would not be surprised. That's what the Jets do every year. And that maybe that saves uh, – Saves a uh, saves the season for another season for Gaze. Uh, missed a staff for Okuda, one broken ankle given to by Kyler. Kyler Murray, yeah, no, three, three picks, though. Sure. Uh, 
but uh, yeah, the the Jets. You know, I, I I had a, we had our show yesterday, me and Joe, right here on Landry Football. Uh, you know, I'm running football, and I said, Joe, what, how long is it going to take for what what quarter we're going to see those fire Adam Gage uh, tweets coming out? And they were coming before the game even started. Everyone's like, enough with Adam Gage. I can, I don't think he's the problem. I think it's just the roster. Brian is so horrendous. And Joe Douglas just does not care. Oh man, I I, I, I can't agree don't, on that. don't get me and Michael are about to jump you right now for that. <laughs> this is an Adam. This is don't. I'm not going to say that the roster is any good, but Adam Gase has got to be the worst coach in the league. He really? shouldn't have a job anymore. So no. if, if Greg Williams takes over. Or all of a sudden, the Jets are going to just start winning games left and right. Start winning games, Nick. I think we'd settle for the Jets staying competitive and actually playing sixty minutes worth of football and not giving up at halftime. The issue with Gase is the fact that he's has a huge part of this offense, and what this offense is is oh, let's throw a few screens, let's run the ball up the middle, let's throw another screen. Need Le'Veon Bell for a screen and run game. Well, I mean, they're pushing Le'Veon out of the game plan. They're going with Frank Gore every week now. Uh, Le'Veon's hurt, so that's why I got to gaze a pass. But I think the Nick, uh, how come Nick? I have a question. How yeah. come the twenty-three-year-old quarterback who needs to play better is there and able in the post-game interview to take accountability for his mistakes, but the head coach in two years hasn't admitted that one thing with his broken, no-point-scoring offense is his fault? I mean, look how good his last quarterbacks do. Ryan Tannehill's incredible with the with the Titans. So, I, what does I think, that say? Doesn't that say more about Gase? I thought I thought the, the Dolphins were pretty good under Gase Nick, until Nick, until Tannehill Nick, got hurt. Ryan Tannehill had no career left under Adam Gase. Went well, to play. They, they for, got rid of him. Went to play for literally anybody else and led the league in quarterback yeah, rating last I year. I thought Tannehill was good with the Dolphins. So I, I, I mean, yeah. I'm Tannehill not, had some good moments, and I'll say I think Gase's offense is kind of been hurt by the fact that he had to deal with a Tannehill-less Dolphins roster, and it made him so conservative. I really believe that, and I don't think that generally happens with with coaches. I don't think they kind of deal with these teams that are struggling so much that we see them go conservative, and then once they get a new roster, they're unable to really break from that. It's, it's really similar to when David Carr was sitting behind the Texans' offensive line right. and just became so gun-shy – and so used to getting pressured that he just could never settle his happy feet, and he never bounced back as a quarterback. But this is a head coach. This isn't a QB that's been getting sacked every week. This is a coach that had to deal with Matt Moore being probably his best QB when Tannehill was getting injured every week. And we saw it whenever Sam Darnold came back last year. He had mono. They didn't score a touchdown for, what was it, four games, three games, and now Darnold comes back. They're putting up touchdowns, but they're still losing games, and now this season – they're watching as this offense is falling apart even more. And yes, Darnold is not perfect. I'm not trying to say that he's some, you know, amazing quarterback, generational talent that would just save any other team. But if you give him to the Saints next offseason, I guarantee you the Saints are going to be making playoffs while Adam Gase probably won't even have an offensive coordinator job. See, I think I think Gaze is he's kind of he's kind of coaching with his hands tied. He's never had a good roster with the Jets. And I think I me, me personally, uh, I always thought Darnold was going to be a bust. To me, he's the worst quarterback in the league, and you know Daniel Jones is a close second. And I think that the two New York teams are are fighting it out to see who's going to have the first pick in the draft. And I think the tiebreaker is which quarterback has the most turnovers because 
Donald and Jones, if you glued the ball to their hands, they'd still find a way to turn it over. That's how pathetic they are at, at ball protection. It's ridiculous, Nick, Brian. Nick, you putting the blame of the Jets on Sam Darnold while simultaneously not putting any blame on Adam Gase is I'm not one of the it. most unbelievable saying, things I've I'm ever I'm not heard. saying there's no blame on Adam Gase, but how do you how do you not take into account how pathetic the Jets roster is. So how I feel come- like Gase pushes out a lot of talent at the same time. A lot of players have come forward and said, even while under contract, I don't want to be here with Gase. I'm not a fan. I've got a very simple so the question. Coaches, the coach is the problem. What, so we're going back. Todd Bowles, he was the problem. Uh, Rex Ryan was the problem. Eric Rangini was the problem. Herm Evans was the problem. At some point, you got to just look at the organization as a whole and say, what's the real problem here? Because like, if we're just the head coach, Oh, there's issues up top. No, but now, if you're saying ownership is bad, I think most Jet fans would probably agree with you. But if you're going to give Adam Gase a partial pass because the roster is bereft of talent, how come Sam Darnold doesn't get that same luxury with an offense bereft of talent? Because this is his third year. Okay. Wait, but who designed? Who calls the plays, Nick? Who designs the offense? The offensive coordinator. <laughs> and who's who, who's the one that does that? Not Adam Gase. <laughs> who do you think calls the plays and designs the offense? It's Adam well, Gase. I, all right, go go back to the days of Brian Schottenheimer. I mean, nobody's giving him credit. I, I'm sick of quarterbacks getting a pass. But uh, we're not giving him a pass. You're just giving the coach a pass, which is ridiculous. Well, listen, but I, I, I have a hot I'm, take. I'm, I'm seeing it realistically because I'm but, not a Jets fan. I'm, not but, in, I'm in the bubble here. Yeah, we're going to go from Nick's awful hot take to my probably awful hot take. And I'm going to tell you that the Jets, not because I want them to, because it would be nice if they lost every game and got the number one overall pick. The Jets are going to cover this week. The Jets are getting three points from a Denver team that is traveling east for the second time in three weeks with a backup quarterback, one of their two running backs hurt, no Von Miller, no Cortland Sutton. Uh, they just, it's, I'm telling you just when the Jets ownership is ready to fire Adam Gase, if they lose on Thursday, the Jets are going to do something absolutely silly, like cover the spread or even dare I say, win the game. And it's going to save the worst coach in the NFL's job for a little bit more time. We're going to get to Thursday night football very shortly. And I'll, I'll give my response to that. Uh, but we also will get to some coach hot seats, so we got some coach hot seats. So, okay, Gay's talk. Um, but just uh, you know, another thing, Michael, real quick, we were talking about must win games, the Lions did what they had to do, they won the game. And uh, Brian, if you had to handicap the rest of the season here, which team is going to be looking at that number one pick most likely? I think the Texans are the best 0 3 team we've ever seen. Well, you look at the difficulties, the teams that they actually played. Right. Chiefs, and Ravens, Steelers. Three, so, no, I don't, we shouldn't be criticizing the Texans for necessarily being 0 3 or anything like that. Uh, no, I mean, I'm good with saying that. Well, who are the 0 3 teams besides the Jets, the Broncos, the Vikings. Texans? Here's one for you The Texans and Vikings play next week, both teams 0 3. One of these teams is going to be 0 4 after four weeks in, something that I don't think anyone was expecting. Well, I'll tell you what, the Vikings played, obviously. I mean, the Vikings obviously have a ton of problems, but they, they had that game entirely in their hands, you know. But Vikings plus three, that was a good pick. Yeah, I, 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 took, I took Vikings plus three. Uh, Joe and I went seven and three total on our picks this week. So, you know, we're right. Good. That's how our picks. But, uh, you know, the, the Giants are just pathetic. Dan, Daniel Jones, 
he just he cannot stop turning the ball over. It's it's, it's crazy. Nick, he's I I we don't want to see quarterbacks turn the ball over. It's the worst thing you could do as a quarterback, but that type of thing can be fixed. Daniel Jones has a lot of talent. So what's holding back Sam Darnold from fixing his problems? Uh, his coach. Oh, you're just his coach. Okay. <laughs> All no, right. No, no. What, really what's interesting about Darnold is <laughs> who was his coach probably, first year? It wasn't, he's it wasn't one of the best prospects I've seen that have been able to maneuver a pocket as well as he has. But I I worry about how well he handles the pressure itself. He can escape a lot of pressure, but he needs to be able to settle in and make throws while handling that pressure instead of just maneuvering around in the pocket and then still being under duress and throwing the ball into bad reads and bad placement on his passes. Yeah, I'd so like I to think be, that's something that's definitely got to improve for him. To be serious for a second with you guys, like Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold have a lot of the same problems, right? They turn the ball over at inopportune times, just and they're also some of the most god-awful interceptions or turnovers that you've ever seen. The ball security is absolutely terrible. Sam Darnold does it all the time. Nick, I'm not telling you that he's a perfect quarterback, um, and obviously neither is Daniel Jones. But I would rather see a quarterback whose biggest issue is turning the ball over, possibly, than a guy who I don't believe can read defenses or doesn't have the arm strength. Um, you know, a guy like Josh Allen, you know, has a lot of the same issues, except his team is much better around him. He is in a position to succeed. So his skills come to the forefront. You see him with some terrible turnovers, but you say, oh, but you see what he can do. Part of that is what he has around him. And I'll the other two, the other two, but you can't tell uh, me that Josh I, Allen. I, I can't say the Bills' offense is that much better than the Giants' uh, weapons-wise. I mean, obviously Evan Ingram can't catch a ball because he sucks. But um, I'd say now, especially this year, you're Diggs. Diggs, John Brown and Cole Diggs. Diggs yeah, but look, look, look at last year. I mean, the Giants—they had Barkley, Tate, Shepard. That's, I mean, that's that's better than a lot of quarterbacks are going to have as as a, as their targets. Look at the two offensive lines that Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Have. So you're going to tell me Daniel Jones is in the same class? No, as Josh no, 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 no. Josh Allen's no. MVP talk right now. No, I'm telling you that you can't ignore what one team has and another team doesn't. One team has an offensive line in a running game, and another team has no offensive line. And I was comparing them more to Sam Darnold. Sorry, not Daniel Jones. I think when you look at the starting line of Darnold and Allen, they had they had some uh, very similar offensive supporting casts. Now we're three years in, and the Bills, you could argue, have one of the best supporting casts in the NFL, while the Jets, I think you have to say they're probably 32nd for supporting cast right now. And it's big that, yes, if you're going to spend on a QB, maybe you can't get all the assets right away to help defend your QB and help protect them. But you look at how much that offensive line improved after one year, bringing in Mitch Morse, bringing in Cody Ford. You're investing in the offensive line, really giving them a chance. When you're allowing for your team to be set up around your quarterback and developing that QB, it allows them to work on their mistakes and really progress. While Darnold is now kind of just dealing with the same issues because he hasn't really had that chance to get comfort. And you need to sort of be able to depend on your team when you're a young quarterback. So, I'm not sure if Donald's ever going to have that bounce back and we're going to be proven right. But I think that falls on the Jets and their terrible roster management because, yes, if you're a great QB, it'll show. But at the same time, if you're not able to develop, you're never going to work past those issues. He's three years in and he still has some of the same issues he had at USC. 
and it's because he hasn't really had that chance to really grow his game. Well, when they first came in, you had Darnold, who's on this level. Allen was lesser known. And in the three seasons, it's gone the opposite direction where one's progressed and one's regressed. So, but the thing is, I, the, I just never liked Darnold as a prospect because when I'm watching him at USC in his last year, he's doing the same thing he's doing right now, which is turning the ball over. So he's got to take a little bit of the blame, at least a little bit. Oh, and look, look who look, we got a comment here. My take on Sam from Joe Calvary's progress, progressed from year one to two. Sam has since regressed since the end of last year. Allen has progressed all three years. I guess that's kind of what we're all saying here, right? Yeah, I mean, look, neither Michael or myself will tell you. Maybe Sam Darnold will never be a real franchise quarterback. But what I'm saying is that the Jets also haven't given him the best opportunity to do that to this point. It's, it's tough to be a Jets quarterback. Uh, I mean, look how Sanchez is, is called a, one of the biggest busts of all time, yet he's probably a top three most successful quarterback in the franchise history. So That, that has nothing to do with best or not best, bro. What do you mean? Well, the fact that the team had success when Sanchez was there doesn't mean Sanchez is one of like the best team quarterbacks ever. He was just part of the team when they had great success. So you know that how did the defense and running game dominated for the Jets those years? That's how they won those. those oh, so I'm not saying Sanchez is good, but he gets a lot of hate. And I just he think, uh, you know, Donald, he's going to be out of it. He's going to be out of New Jersey in, in a year or two. They're not going to pick up that fifth year option. Uh, Chad and Vinny better than Mark. Of course, of course, no doubt about it, Richie Miggs. Chad Pennington until his arm came off, and Vinny Testaverde was great. Uh, Joe Calabrese, well, a lot of Jets fans here, Michael. Maybe we got to just talk about the Jets more often. <laughs> the issue with the Jets is now they can't really pay Sam because you know that if they will be a playoff team when he reaches that point, the idea is to be ready by the end of the rookie contract. Uh, I think it's just crazy, Michael, that the NFL teams have to decide on the fifth-year option before they even play their fourth year. That makes no sense to me. They need to change that rule in the next CBA. Yeah, and I think with Darnold, the biggest thing is if they have that number one pick, Trevor Lawrence is an easy option because, yes, maybe you're a Darnold believer, but the fact is would you rather have that risk like Joe's talking about where you have to pay him if he gets one good year in and you still aren't really sure if all the issues are fixed or are you going to go with a guy that you're getting for probably five years that is probably much safer because the question for Darnold is, can he develop for three years forward now for Lawrence is saying, can he develop, but he gets to step in right away. And as a prospect, I think Lawrence towered Darnold, even though they were both in that same draft range. Right. You think if, if Trevor Lawrence is a jet, are they really any that any better at this exact moment? Like next year. I mean, I, I think I just think Joe Douglas needs to do a little more next offseason. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, I, I find it interesting that you know there are a ton of holes on the Jets roster, yet it's entirely the quarterback's fault. I didn't say it's entirely the quarterback's fault, but I said he needs to take a lot of the blame. He needs to take some of it, definitely. All right, we'll leave it there, and let's move on to what you like to talk about, <laughs> and that's betting. So Monday Night Football tonight, what do you got for us? Big game. Monday night football. Yeah, I mean, it's the most exciting one of the year. One of them, definitely. Um, 
you know, people are going to want to bet on this just because of the two teams, but it gets, it's got to be one of the toughest games to pick all year. The public loves these two teams more than anybody else. The, the Ravens are three and a half point favorites at home. You know, normally you see the home team as, you know, get the customary three points. So there maybe their odds makers are telling you, and that's where it opens. So maybe odds makers are telling you like, Hey, these two teams are even, uh, no, I'd be curious to see what you guys thought about it as well. Even with not a huge betting background, you just know, yeah. You know these teams are so good, but the Chiefs are getting a if, free if, field yeah. goal. If, my, if the if the Chiefs are getting points, which this, I don't know when the last time this happened, it's probably been a long time. You got to roll with the Chiefs, Brian. That's the way I'm looking at this game. So what I think about, I think you're 100 right because when you, especially if you're not sure, to a tough game to call, you have to be able to place a bet that you can put your head on the pillow later that night, even if you lost, knowing I'm okay that I made this bet. I'm not 100% sure I can take the Ravens giving away three and a half points to the Super Bowl champions and, and you know put my head on the pillow at night if the Chiefs either win the game or lose by a field goal. So I'd have to take the Chiefs plus three and a half. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's the way you got to do it. Um, that, their offenses are just so well matched. And to me, I think – Kansas City, Michael, their defense is, is better than Baltimore's. And I think that's ultimately why Baltimore got bounced in the playoffs last year. It's just that because they had that exclusive offense. But um, their defense, while it's good, it, it, it can be it can be beaten. And you look at these weapons that the Chiefs have, including your guy, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who's having a great rookie campaign. It's, gonna, it's, tough, to, it's tough to stop them. Yeah, I am – Continuing with my saying, I, I think Chiefs go 19-0 this year. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I'm all in on it, and I have no reason to well, really I, mean, I don't know if I actually think it, but there's not going to be a game where I'm saying that I don't think the Chiefs will win. And the reasoning is, I mean, number 15. Patrick Mahomes is in another class of his own, probably only with Russell Wilson in terms of overall quarterback play. And when it comes to the Chiefs, I think this defense has taken major strides and the offense is already just one of the most talented in the league. Yes, the Ravens are going to give them a great game. And yes, they struggled last week against the Chargers. But this Chiefs team, I think, had that little hiccup. And now they're kind of focusing and any potential error that they probably would have had dealing with this Ravens team, I think now is going to become a motivational factor for the Chiefs to really come in and have a great game. I think what will be interesting to see is just how well Lamar handles this game because there's always been those uh, naysayers that have really said, oh, the big games, once it comes to playoffs, Lamar struggles. This is probably going to be a team that you'll face if you want to get to the Super Bowl. So the Ravens need to come in, come in and have a big game, really show out and kind of get that mindset like, hey, this is going to be a team that we face in playoffs. Now is where we build some success on it. Whether we win or not, we need to make sure that we're playing well so that when playoffs come, we're not struggling. Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, I, I would say the Ravens are the second-best team in their division, not the conference. I think the Steelers are the team to beat this year, and I think the, Steel, I think the Chiefs are going to have a lot of problems with the Steelers. Uh, and if I had to pick a Super Bowl pick right now, I'd go Steelers versus the Packers. I think the Packers are just playing incredible right now. And Brian... When I saw the Packers plus three yesterday for the second time this season, that was such an easy bet to put put the money on the Packers. Of course, they were going to win with the plus three. No doubt about it. 
Yes, that was an easy one. I agreed with you very much. Uh, you were very right to bash me for my Jets and Giants takes this week because I thought that they might cover in week three, but I also had the Packers in that. Uh, oh, yeah. Everybody, well. everybody, everybody was going Giants, money line, and Jets to cover. Uh, I, I, I was just uh, – I, I don't know. I, I was like big line with the Colts, but I was like there's no way the Jets are covering and there's no way the Giants are going to win this game. Uh, all right. Joe says, I think the Ravens will be up for this game considering they lost early last year and didn't have the chance to make up for it in the postseason. Also, I doubt either of these two teams want to reveal all their tricks, tip their hand to either team. That extra half point is tricky, though. What do you think about that, Brian? No, I think Joe's totally right. When it comes to a betting perspective, you have to think about that hook. You have to think about that extra point because you can think that the Ravens are the better team and going to win the game. And But we've seen them rely on one of the best kickers of all time, Justin Tucker, before. And, you know, what if they just bleed the clock out with that running game towards the end and kick a field goal with Justin Tucker that you know is going to be pretty much automatic? So when it comes to betting, it's not always just about the team you think is going to win. So Joe actually makes a great point because I agree with him. The Ravens will be up for this game. We expected to see this as an AFC title game. It didn't happen and it's a preview of this year's AFC title game so the Ravens will be up for it but when it comes down to putting my money we're not going against Patrick Mahomes plus three and a half taking the Chiefs all right now the game that I I consider this a must-watch game just because it's going to be so much drama come out of this you know it's going to be it's just going to be so many questions after this game people think Gaze is getting fired in week four no chance I mean he picked, he picked the GM, Brian. How, how's Joe Douglas going to fire him? He got him the job. But you were giving a little analysis before on this. Uh, so why don't you go ahead? And I don't know. Is Jeff Driscoll going to start? I saw he, he came out of the game last week, uh, this past Sunday. Broncos, they need their way. If Drew Locke was playing, it'd be a lock. The Broncos are going to win this game. But I got the feeling that Jets fans are still a little optimistic and, and they're going to roll with the Jets on this one. Well, I don't know if the Jets fans are optimistic or if they are kind of looking at it the way I am, that when you can, when you really, really want to be able to count on a loss to possibly get the ultimate result you want, that's when the Jets do something sort of crazy, like I mentioned before. The Jets are getting me pretty emotional, so I jumped the gun earlier, but I guess I'll just I'll reiterate. I'll assume that Jeff Driscoll is going to play, but... You know, this is a game that I just think sets up well for the home team on Thursday night football. Once you put the Jets in, you think, oh, well, you need to bet the other team. But then once you plug in that that other team is the Broncos, the uh, the lack of rest, the additional travel, all the injuries that they're dealing with, I'm trying not to be clouded by my Jets fandom and how much I actually hate the Jets right now. They are an unbettable team. I wouldn't bet this game if I was, you know, the fact that it's the only game on is going to be the only reason people even bet it. A lot of people will take the Broncos, and I understand that. But if you had to bet this game and you were just looking at it from a betting data point perspective, I think the home team and at least a field goal, you know, is the bet. And I think that then you put the Jets stuff on top of it and, you know, it would be great if they just went 0-16 and got the number one pick. But that's not going to happen. They're going to win a couple games here and there. And I just think this is a spot that sets up so well for them. Michael Driscoll came out. Brett Reitbian from Boise State came in. He's a rookie. He looked decent. I mean, eight for nine, but if he threw that one interception. Uh, what, was your, what was your scouting report on him in case he does end up playing this game? Yeah, he's an accurate passer. I think he lacks the overall arm talent that would – really entice a lot of teams. And I think that's why he didn't get a lot of love whenever he came out as a prospect, but 
now looking at this chance to start for Thursday night football. He could potentially be a capable backup, and I think that wouldn't be a bad spot to start him now against the Jets, which, I mean, even Brian will say this defense isn't the greatest, so it's any young QB is going to have a decent opportunity to succeed. You look at how this team's set up as well. You have either Hamler, who is going to just take the top off so it's more easier deep throws, or a guy like Fant where you're really kind of putting the ball down the middle trying to just get these tight window throws. So I think Ripien is a nice option to start for the Broncos, and I think it'll help their offense kind of produce when you're relying on Melvin and doing quick throws to Noah Fant, trying to get a simple offense. Ripien's pretty accurate, pretty smart with the ball. I think in this game, though, I'm definitely taking the Jets. I, I'm not 100% certain that they're the better team, even with all the injuries to the Broncos. But I think in terms of just having a more cohesive unit at the moment, it sets up in favor of the Jets and any team really in this situation. All right, this is how I see it playing out, Brian. Early on in the game, Donald throws a pick six. Uh, Broncos then attack on a few field goals. Donald does what he usually does, late fourth quarter, backdoor cover, um, and then from there, or something along those lines. And from there, Jets fans say, look, Donald's so great. Donald's the man. And then Gaze is still in the hot seat. And I think Gaze right now, Michael, is probably, to me, the only, one of only two coaches on the hot seat to go along with Bill O'Brien. I don't know. I mean, there's still a few guys out there, probably not on the hot seat right now, but once the season comes to a close, their their job is definitely on the line. In terms of uh, immediate firings, though, we'll see. I don't think we'll see anyone besides possibly Adam Gase, and that would be an ownership decision, I think, in that regard, more so than Douglas. But it really entirely depends on how this Thursday night game goes. If the Jets even look solid against this team, I feel like there's probably still going to be a little bit more time given to Gase as much as Jets fans hate to hear it. Brian, you know, if you have a direct line to to Christopher Johnson right now, what would you be telling him? (laughs) I don't think I could repeat it on this podcast. Uh, No, in all seriousness. um, Yeah. I, I could see your scenario playing out, Nick, but what I don't see is the misrepresentation of Jets fans as if they sit here and just say that Sam Darnold's amazing and it's all Adam Gase's fault. I think that it's kind of like me and Michael said, you know, like the quarterback needs to play better, but, you know, I don't, I don't know who draws up the offense besides the coach. Uh, well, I, 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 this is your time to rant, Brian. Make your case for why you want Adam Gase fired. Oh, that's the great thing about this. I don't even need to make a case for Adam Gase being fired. Has anyone seen the highlights? They lose every game by double digits. If the Jets didn't get a late touchdown against the 49ers, they would have lost by 25-plus. They lost. They gave up 29 points in a row in this game after it was 7-7. A lot of that was Sam Darnold's fault, too. Um, and, you know, the Jets are a complete dumpster fire. I, there's, what, 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 do you, what do you want me to say, Nick? All right, so obviously you're very fired up about Adam Gaze, and is is there any 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 other any other games you think that could impact anybody else getting fired this weekend or being on the hot seat? Not immediately, you know. I guess coming into this week, there was some talk about Matt Patricia. Obviously, the Lions, you know, 
playing well and winning and looking a lot better, getting Kenny Galladay back, you know, they will just make any offense better. So he's probably not on the hot seat. And, you know, I don't even think Gase would get fired if the Jets lost, to be perfectly honest with you. Whether or not he deserves it, we can talk about it all day. I mean, I think he's a terrible coach, but they'll probably give him till, you know, the end of the year. I kind of think, I kind of like the idea of, you know, if the Jets were to get to maybe 0-6, 0-7, 0-8, I don't know how you keep the same coach. you got to let Greg Williams run things from there. But I don't know. I have a question for Jets fans. You know, Maybe Michael can help me out here. Like A game like Thursday, you play against a terrible team. Like, yeah, I do, wanna, I do want the team to get the number one draft pick, but I also want to see a sign of life from – my quarterback from the offensive line that just got restocked. Like, you know, so like would a, would a Jets, well, Jets win would be the worst thing, right? It would. I think in terms of the case against Adam Gase, a win would definitely. That'd be bad. Yeah. Jets we don't want that. But I don't know. As a fan, maybe it's just because no, no offense. I, I mean this in the nicest way possible. But maybe it's just because I root for a successful team like the Patriots that I just want to win any week possible, even if, like, we weren't doing as hot. I just want to win. So maybe that's the bias in me. But I think even right now when you're kind of like, okay, we want the first pick, you still want to see this team come through and win some games. You want to have some promising performances out of your guys. So taking advantage of these games where you're probably the better team I don't know. It's it's really a toss-up, and I hate saying that just because I feel like the QB play should be so much different from each side, but I'm not sure that the roster is. So when you're probably the better team, or at least you have a nice chance, you should. I think you should still root for the victory. I think regardless of what happens, this record will take care of itself. Yeah, you know, my problem is that I saw that Dan Orlovsky played for the 0-16 Lions and famously ran out of the back of the end zone while holding the yeah, football. all of a sudden he's like this top NFL analyst. What, yeah, what so he Dan Orlovsky wanted to say that his Lions, his 0-16 Lions team would beat the Jets every week. So I was thinking, man, they just got to get one in the win column so at least this guy can't tweet things like that. <laughs> Richie Miggs says, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I think Bill O'Brien should have been in the hot seat like three years ago. I just give him the whole team control. When Bill O'Brien traded away, what was the ultimate package that that yeah, Andrew Hopkins? Yeah, Andrew Hopkins got. Yeah, got Chris you got Johnson, a uh, second round pick and pick. David Johnson. Well, and David I Johnson. Think there was a few extra pieces, but I don't yeah. want to say anything too bad about David Johnson because I he's think good. he's you know, going to have a nice little bounce back, you know, and all that. But I don't see how you remove DeAndre Hopkins and make your offense better. Yeah, it's like getting rid of Stephon Diggs up in Minnesota. Now, let me ask you guys something. For this Thursday night game, I don't think Fangio is on the hot seat really at all. But let's say the season goes on. Drew Locke kind of struggles with injuries or whatever. They go about 6-10. and 10. Could you see a scenario where the Broncos say, okay, yes, Fangio's done a good job in terms of developing this team, but right now we have an offense that is filled with weapons, and we need to really find a way to – take advantage of this and bring in an offensive mind that's going to really help this offense not only have a solid year and develop, but also really reach its highest status. So could you see them going for a guy like Eric Bienemi, sorry, or maybe even someone like a Joe Brady where we've seen this Carolina offense have some success as well. 
Yes, bring they back, are. Bring back bring Josh up. McDaniels. Yeah, maybe not Josh McDaniels, but How could about we Kubiak? Denver have that kind of surprise firing where Fangio probably doesn't really deserve it for how well he's done, but at the I same think, time we I see think, him kind of go think for the roster. The Drew Lock injury guarantees Fangio another year because you think so. I think that he was so he was good last year, and unless he's getting you know fourteen games out of Lock, I think it's tough for them to say, "All right, we're going to move on here." Um, and I think you know the same thing. I get. I think just the, really with first-year coaches, too, like Mount Rule, he's not going anywhere. Uh, Joe Judge, the Giants, they're looking at like zero to two wins. He's probably not going to get fired. But we have seen the leashes get shorter and shorter. I mean, look back to what the 49ers did with Tom Sola and then Chip Kelly. They were one and dones. Um, but, you know, it all, it all just depends on who's out there, who's available. I mentioned this on Friday. There's going to be a lot less movement this year as far as the coaching carousel just because of the the preseason not being there and, you know, there wasn't any OTAs. Same thing on the college level. Too much uncertainty. I think a lot of people are going to end up staying put. Um, the only thing that could really impact things is if a guy like a stature of Harbaugh wanted to come back to the NFL, I think somebody's going to make some room for him. Other than that, I don't think really see there's going to be um, people are going to get fired. Adam Gaze is probably going to get fired. Um, that's the only guy I really could see is definitely going to get fired. Who knows? The Browns could fire their coach once again. I mean, we saw it last year with Freddie Kitchens, but I, I don't. I don't see Brian that there's going to be as much firing as we usually see on that Black Monday. No, I think we're going to see the leashes get a little longer just because of the preseason circumstances, like you said. And for someone like Fangio, you know. I don't think it was ju- – he is a, you know, obviously defensive-minded coach, and but for their defense to lose, you know, its most important player, how it did right before the season two, I think it makes it, like, very, very hard to judge him. And then you look at the injuries to Locke and Sutton, and it pretty much just is a wasted year in terms of evaluating your coach uh, from that perspective. Oh, for sure. And I'm a big Fangio fan. I don't want people to think that I'm advocating that they should fire him. I just feel like with the way the NFL – has kind of shown their cards lately. A lot of teams are going more offensive focused with their head coaching hires. So I wasn't sure if you guys felt like maybe they would bring in almost like an Arizona situation. Yeah, Wilkes had a much worse year than Fangio probably will with Denver, but I was just wondering yeah. if you guys feel like they kind of say, okay, yes, this guy didn't really deserve to be let go of, but we want to bring in a guy that we think will make this yeah. offense. I think, it, I think because of the lock injury, he'll stay. Brian, who would you like to see – the, the Jets target, or like, you want to see them target a special teams coach, offensive coordinator, defense coordinator, or recy- somebody with recycled coach in the past that had success? No, not at all. It's actually Michael hit the nail on the head. It's the same guy I wanted to be the coach when they hired Adam Gase. It's Eric Bieniemy. Uh, you need an innovative offensive mind to put around your young quarterback, whoever it is. Um, and, you know, you got to start there because – the quarterback QB relationship is, I mean, always been important, but even in recent years, you, you know, that's, you, you just, you need that. And there couldn't be more of a disconnect for, you know, a team like the Jets. So let me ask you guys this real quick. And this is another, you know, I'm not sure it'll happen, but it's potentially something that has been rumored a bit in terms of coaching circles. He was talked about for a promotion with the Philadelphia offensive coordinator job. Could we see, Mike Kafka 
get offered straight from a QB coaching spot at Kansas City to a head coaching team that maybe wants to take a risk on him with how well he's done, kind of being that mentor for Mahomes and leading him yeah. to having such success that he's had. Absolutely. Look at look at Zach Taylor with uh, the Rams on the Bengals. It's like if you if you had any coaching with Mahomes, Cliff Kingsbury, or if you had anything to do with Sean McVay, everybody wants you to be a head coach. Um, so I, I, the game has just gone so offensive here. Um, and so I think that's certainly a possibility. But, you know, I'm wondering if a guy like Rex Ryan would ever get another shot to be a coach. Um, or just, you know, in general, like there's someone who's really well known for incredible defense. Right now, I think it's the league has just gone very offensive heavy. And these defense coordinators outside of Fangio have a tough time getting getting head coaching jobs. Yeah, and we saw it last year with 49ers defense coordinator Coach Sala. He put together one of the best defensive years, and he was rumored to be in a lot of coaching searches. But when it came down to it, a lot of guys were hiring offensive coaches. And now this year, I think we're going to see that even more. You look at offensive coordinators like Greg Roman, who I think would be a great fit, maybe going to a place like Houston or wherever Justin Fields maybe ends up. I think working with those mobile quarterbacks, he does a really great job. So I think there's just a lot of offensive coaching talent right now that is going to continue to keep defensive coaches sticking around with their teams. I like to see my guy, the greatest defensive coordinator in the league, two-time Super Bowl champion Steve Spagnola get another head coaching job. Uh, he was in a tough situation with the Rams back in the day where they were just atrocious. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, when everybody's zigging, somebody needs to zag, and if somebody can get one of these great defensive minds in there, could be big time and have a great impact for the team. Thank you for joining, and please help us spread the word as you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash chrislandryfootball, and you can listen to this podcast on mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcasts. For a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college, to the NFL, from recruiting to the NFL draft, to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis, to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. Brian, it's it's been a lot of fun having you here for the show. Of course, you'll be back on Friday for the usual segment. Any last thoughts here as we, we head into uh, the rest of the week? No, normally I love ending the week with you guys, but it's a pretty good beginning of the week also. Uh, you know, Nick, I, I, I usually, I'm usually pretty fired up about the Jets on Monday, but I have nowhere to uh, let go of my frustration, so I appreciate the platform. And Friday will be <laughs> a great time to talk about either uh, Denver Broncos 30-point win or the Jets doing something silly like finding a way to win a football game. I don't know. Maybe you and you and Joe should be get a show here called Destination Jets Rants. When every every day after the Jets game, you come on and just let it let it loose. Congrats to Joe for picking the Miami Heat to win the Eastern Conference in the NBA. He nailed it. Let's go Tampa Bay Lightning. Thank you very much. Go Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes. All right, Michael. I'll let you take it take it from here. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us, Brian, Nick. Great show as usual. Thank you, guys. We appreciate all the comments coming from the comment section. We'll see you guys Friday. Take care. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.